the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one on round one jerry agar is live in studio deb hutton is here former advisor to two ontario premiers scott reed cdb political commentator former advisor to a prime minister of canada and ladies and gentlemen we have a brand new mayor of toronto and while I've been knocked down a few times over the years. How you get back yeah, up? Just like you, I always got back up. There you go. Uh, she's cribbing from a pop tune, I think. Uh, Jerry Agar, perhaps not the outcome you were looking forward to. <laughs> She's the Weeble candidate. <laughs> Weebles wobble, but they, they don't, don't fall, fall down. down. No, I was uh, anybody but Olivia Chow, uh, but not, uh, I mean, you know, I was uh, I was certainly fascinated for about 15 minutes there when it looked like uh, Anna Bylaw was going to surge to the front, but obviously it didn't turn out that way. Um, at this point, I guess what I can hope for is that Olivia Chow proves me and Doug Ford wrong and that she's not an unmitigated disaster. I spent a bunch of time on her, um, on her webpage again this morning, I'm going to open the show with uh, all of the things we can expect from Olivia Chow, uh, whether you like it or you don't. Deb, they're always going to be catastrophists, whether they like Trudeau or hate Trudeau, love Ford, hate Ford. I tend to think that, you know, nobody can wreck the joint. Oh, I don't know about that. I lived through the I lived through the Bob Ray days. I was it was interesting, and I thought somewhat ironic that I I heard uh, Tom uh, during his time with you this morning talk about the fact that Bob Ray had come into his shop. I thought, wow, isn't that a coincidence? Because <laughs> he did a lot of damage in a few short years in Ontario. Listen, uh, what's the old cliche? Voters are never wrong, so we accept what happened last night. Uh, I will say, perhaps we need to tone it back in our household. My my nine year old who was very upset last night that Anna Bailao did not pull it through, although she certainly gave it a valiant effort. Uh, she did say, Mommy, do we start paying more taxes today? Well, I mean, we had Olivia Chow live in studio, and I said, when are you going to give us the figure? And she said, March 2024. That's going to be a long wait, isn't it? Well, I, I think there's going to have to be an adjustment. I, I do. Uh, Deb, if the <laughs> yeah. voters are never wrong, what about the over 60% who didn't vote for her? Well, I mean, that's just democracy, Jerry. That's that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, this is the system we got. No, I understand that. But but the voters, if the voters are never wrong, on, uh, and this happens in almost all Canadian elections, the vast majority of voters don't want the winner. I, I agree with well, you, but that is done our something. system. Yeah. yeah. Um, Scott Reed. <laughs> They're right. They sat at home and they didn't vote. So that's the choice they made. So long. Okay, so Scott Reed, your thoughts on things? Uh, everybody's had a night's sleep. I know you were on live television and radio last night, but uh, what's your takeaway? Especially, I imagine you were probably listening to our conversation with the victor. Well, I think that she's, um, you know, striking all the right tones. She wants to work with everybody. I do think the obvious takeaway is that she immediately has to demonstrate a set of skills that she's not had an opportunity to employ before. She's always been an opposition politician. She actually had a bigger mandate than I expected. Earlier in the evening, I thought, you know, vote, voter turnout was going to be low. I thought her turnout overall was going to be low. But, you know, she, is, she came away with something of a mandate. Now she has to demonstrate that she is a diplomat, that she can build a coalition with a council that's not majority left of center. 
that she can work with the province, work with the feds, that she can get massive transfers from them because massive transfers are needed in order for this city to try to manage the stresses and the strains that it has financially, given all the services that we have to cover and the services that she wants and is committed to improving and and, uh, and further investing in. So she's going to have to be captain coalition builder and it's going to be interesting to see that's going to be her number one challenge and um you know she's starting starting off striking the right note obviously ford you know last week he was garrulous and 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 partisan and last night he was constructive so they got to keep that going and see if that can actually result in in actual progress and uh and more than anything else if it can result in dollars they need dollars from queens park in ottawa Okay, and Deb Hutton, let me just ask you, I know it's you know, the morning after the night before, but have there been any signals of what Anna Bailao plans to do? Will she live to fight another day or just go off to the private sector? Yeah, it was too much last night. Certainly uh, on the ground, uh, people were chanting, you know, three years, three years, three years. I, for one, hope that uh, she keeps her finger in this and that she runs uh, in, I guess it'll be 2026. Um, I just, I want to, if I can pick up on something Scott said, because we, we've all talked taxes. As I said, my kid did this morning. It's been part of our, our song uh, in the last few weeks. But I think the thing that that worries me the most is how we deal with the crime on our streets and in particular the homeless and the encampments, because that is where Olivia Chow, I believe, will have her absolute greatest challenge. Yeah, no, and and public disorder was a theme in this election campaign, but I still remember when we asked the question, which was quite pointedly posed during the debate, we said, will you clear the encampments by Labor Day? And Olivia Chow pivoted to housing, and I thought, you can't build a house between now and Labor Day. So Her segment on her webpage about um, Toronto Transit, the TTC, does not mention violence. It is of no concern to her. Are there any other? But you know, guys, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, look at the results. I, I, I think it's interesting. I don't disagree with you. I mean, I've got I've got uh, a fourteen year old kid in my house, and I'm anxious about that child using TTC as an example. But Saunders and Anthony Fury made those top issues right, and they together ended up getting what. 15% of the vote yeah. just didn't, uh, I mean, that's frankly, voters just didn't back that as the top priority. I think that's, you know, you, it's, it's a fact you can't ignore. Okay, so let me ask you then, in closing up this portion of our roundtable, are there any other takeaways? Are you uh, bemused by the fact that Molly the dog actually beat Rob Davis? Um, Brad Bradford, basically 1.28% of the popular vote. That's a little bit scary for somebody who was considered to be a front runner. Um, Jerry, any other thoughts? Yeah, um, one of the things I will list off at 9.05 is the interesting number of people that Molly the dog beat. Um, and, and some of them... She probably uh, licked them. Yeah, well, whatever it was, uh, the rescue dog did. They didn't rescue those careers uh, in any way. And, uh, and I found that fascinating. And I think there have to be a few people like Brad Bradford and Mitzi Hunter who have to be looking this morning at their political careers and wondering whether they're over. Yeah, Scott Reed, it just seems like such a gargantuan human effort to deliver almost nothing uh yeah it's gonna be very disappointing and you know mitzi um mitzi put her skin in the game she left her job to do this so it's you know it's got to be very disappointing i got two quick takeaways one chloe brown um she wasn't put on any platform she was not offered a role in any of the debates and yet she still came away with eighteen thousand votes she almost outdistanced mitzi hunter she did outdistance brad and a couple of others like that's that's a pretty impressive when you're you're campaigning out there and just 
Dagan votes out of the earth. I just think she deserves a nod. And uh, the second thing I would uh, point out, just a pure political wanker uh, play, and Deb, you'll enjoy this. Conventional wisdom, certainly as I was espousing it, is that endorsements don't matter. Well, John Tory's endorsement mattered. Like something happened in these last few days. It corresponded with John's endorsement of Anna Bilo, and I just don't think you can ignore it. So next time someone says to me, do endorsements matter? I'm not going to be so quick to dismiss it and say, no, they never matter. Sure seem to this week. Yeah, but should he have stepped up sooner? You know, I I think he I, I mean, Deb will have a better feel for it. My impression he probably maximized the opportunity. I think that the reason it seemed to work so well is that he did it just in these dying days of the campaign when people were dialed in. Yeah, and Deb, you can have the last word on this if you want to, but I suspect John Tory wanted to keep his fingers out of this, and then when it looked like it was going to be that close, he decided, okay, fine, I'll put my finger on the scale. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I will say, and I think it was Mark Tui this morning who mentioned this, and he was right. Uh, we did extremely well. The Bilal campaign did extremely well yesterday. And you saw that as the actual polls on voting day came in. Where the Bilal campaign faltered is that when a bunch of us voted in the advance polls, uh, Chow's numbers were spectacularly high. Yeah. It was before things moved. And so when, when you saw right around nine o'clock the advance polls come gushing, in, that's when things change. So the momentum was there. Anna was feeling it before the Tory endorsement. The Tory endorsement obviously made a huge difference. Uh, but and I, and I agree as well. I had so many people who pay attention that really were still saying to me last week, so what's the deal? What should I do? And that was days before the election. But the advance polls, when, when everyone was sort of in the low teens except Chow, really put her over the top. David Johnston has handed in his final report. Um, Scott, it just, it sort of feels like, you know, sliding uh, an essay paper under the teacher's door. Is anybody paying any attention? Uh, well, if you're the government, let's hope not. I actually thought it was the first example of something that seemed to be skillfully managed on the part of the, uh, of the prime minister's office. Um, you know, it went out with a whimper, not a bang. But at this point, after David Johnson had appointed himself to hold hearings that nobody really wanted, I, th I thought that a quiet end probably was fitting. Now, is that the right thing for the issue? I, I don't know. Where is it going to go from here? I, I don't know. There obviously needs to be a fundamental rewiring of how intelligence services work. Yep. There's something busted in the prime minister's office and the way they communicate with these agencies. Um, but I don't think anybody's saying, oh, God, this is a shame. I wanted more David Johnson. <laughs> Nobody wants more David Johnson, and his reputation will never be what it was before he did this. It was a big mistake on his part to take it. But if he succeeded in anything, it was, I think, running interference for the government. We need uh, a completely different and more aggressive inquiry. The government is trying to fight it. David Johnston was not part of the solution. He was part of the problem. Okay, Deb Hutton, I still can't conceive of. Maybe you guys can nominate somebody. I can't think of anybody who would be acceptable. Uh, you know, David Johnston was sort of unimpeachable and look at the mess that uh, that turned into. Yeah, but maybe that wasn't the answer in this whole process that's been badly managed from the beginning. Maybe a single person uh, who, quite frankly, was being used by the Trudeau government to deflect from themselves was not the right approach. As Scott says, let's see where this goes, because we are not done with this saga. And when you're in issues management, if it's not done in the first little while, in the first try, you've made a mess of it. Okay. And Scott Reed, uh, one last uh, item, which would be uh, Grady Dick, the new player for the Toronto Raptors. I don't know how his basketball game is, but I like I like this guy's character. 
I love this kid. He is full of style, splash and flash. That's what the city and the team can use. I'm all excited. And how can you not like that name? Ben Harrison, I was hosting The Rush on Friday. Gravy Dick, Greedy Dick. I was having so much fun. Now, I think I've been pulled permanently from the air, but my God, we're in for 10 years of delight. Oh, I know. It's a headline writer's dream, and it appeals to our inner eight-year-old. My thanks to Jerry Agar, Scott Reed, and Deb Hutton. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.